0: Hi, my name's Ari Kagan, and this five minute podcast could be the most important five minutes of your life. So, friend, join me or you'll regret it. It's going to be great, it's going to be awesome, and when it's all over, you'll look back and say, wow, I had a lot of fun listening to that episode of Things You Don't Need to Know, the one about vacation ownership. When I was younger, we used to get letters in the mail all the time a free vacation, a free cruise complimentary tickets to Disneyland. We'd been selected and were part of a special group that was lucky enough to be given this opportunity. But we never actually did any of this. We never went up to the Poconos, we never went on a cruise, and we certainly didn't go to Disney World. And to sum up why, I really only need one word, timeshares. In my opinion, The timeshare is a staple of our culture, but if you're unfamiliar, it's a house or a condo or a resort suite, essentially anything that's considered a place to stay. Where it differs from traditional homeownership is that you only get it for a set period of time each year, usually a week. It seems like a cool enough concept. You get a second home in another part of the world. You probably only get a week off of work anyway. It's outside of the box in a very planned and scheduled kind of way. But I wouldn't say it has cultural significance for being a creative way of taking your vacations. No, timeshares are known for something else, the way they're sold. Your average home purchase is a long thought out, meticulously planned decision. Buying a timeshare is the opposite. It's infamous for being an endless barrage of salespeople trying to pressure you into paying for every vacation for the rest of your life, all at once.
1: It's very pressure-filled you know they just want you to buy buy buy
0: that's my mom she'd previously gone on one of these free vacations and because of that experience thought it probably wasn't best to bring her young children on another one
1: you get to stay for a couple nights for free and then you have to endure the timeshare and hope you don't buy it
0: (laughs) yeah they might be free but they're the opposite of relaxing it's why they work so well a lot of people just give in and buy one Was there a point where you were, like, laying in bed at the end of the day and you were like, should we get one?
1: No, but there was a quick moment when I was with the guy in his office where I did think, whoa, maybe this is a good deal.
0: It's like going to a hotel where the staff are all car salesmen. One of my favorite South Park episodes is actually all about timeshares. These guys won't let us leave. That's not true,
2: officers. We said they could leave at any time. All right, let me see if I got this straight. You two gentlemen are offering part-time limited liability ownership in one of your fabulous condos for the one-time price of
0: $8,000? You get the idea, but timeshares can't actually be that bad, right? I mean, there are people that really enjoy them.
1: I actually have friends that love their timeshare.
0: So how did they come to be? Why do people have such strong feelings about them? And what are they really? Hey, hey, hey! Hope you're enjoying the show so far. Now, I don't want you to feel pressured, but Apple just introduced premium podcasts, and you're probably asking yourself, why pay for something that's free? Well, there's a certain sense of ownership and community you can achieve. Our guest for this episode spent almost his whole career in the timeshare industry. He started at the bottom, worked his way to the top, and probably knows more about timeshares than anyone I've ever met.
3: My oh, name is Jeff Tellum.
0: If that name sounds familiar, it's because it is. His nephew, Austin Tellum, was on our forensic accounting episode where he shared with me that he used to work at a large timeshare company doing their internal audit. Austin's on this call as well.
2: So He lives on his boat at the yacht club. Are is you on a boat the, right now? Well, no, we're at the clubhouse because I don't think we're he not. has internet on his boat. And uh,
0: <laughs> Jeff's wearing a Hawaiian shirt. There's Bon Jovi playing. Enjoying my...
3: Approaching in their senior citizenship.
0: He's living a vacation, which is pretty much what he sold for years. Living the dream, Ari. <laughs> he first got into the timeshare business when he was my age. This was over 40 years ago, and the industry looked very different than it does today. In fact, it was just getting started.
3: The origin and the history comes from Europe. They would go for extended periods to places, and if they fell in love, they would want to buy something.
0: A vacation house, if you will.
3: And because of the price of prime properties and prime resort areas, uh, the challenge of an individual buying it all by themselves was uh, overcome by having several families or several members of the same family all
0: contribute. Extended families and close friends would pool their money together to buy a house. This is really smart for a number of reasons. First off, nobody's going to live there year round. And if you like spending time with the people you bought the house with, which you very likely do, you can all go on vacation together. The first ever official timeshare was started in 1963 by Guido M. Rengli and Alexander Nette. It was comprised of 13 luxury condos in Graubünden, Switzerland.
3: Each family would be entitled to a certain amount of time to share at that property.
0: Over in America, we were building condos as well.
3: Developers were picking up and buying prime beachfront locations and building condominiums.
0: But there was a problem.
3: We started to experience a a change in the cost of financing.
0: Higher interest rates, inflation, unemployment, and the gas crisis of the 70s left these condo developers in a tough spot.
3: They kind of priced themselves out of the market when the cost to finance, the money to buy them, couldn't be borne by one family.
0: It was a stagnation of the American economy. Most of the country wasn't in the market for a second home. So these counter developers had to come up with a new plan. And that plan was the timeshare. It was
3: solved by families getting together and saying, you know what, if one of us can't do it, but we all want it, let's all get together and we'll do it together. So it came out of, out of a need, okay? It came out of a challenge.
0: A real pioneer in all this was a young developer by the name of Keith Trowbridge.
3: He was kind of known as the father of timesharing.
0: Keith sold every week in each of his 31 units at his Sanibel Island vacation ownership resort in just 18 months. That's 1,550 individual weeks. It had just gone from a way to clear inventory to a tremendously lucrative business. At the beginning, these timeshares were long-term leases, usually 25 years.
3: Pretty intricate stuff on the legal side initially.
0: But the Florida state government created new legislation that turned these weekly rentals into deeded properties.
3: One unit could be deeded 52 times.
0: Deeded timeshares are real property that you can pass on to your heirs. And the timeshare industry would take full advantage of this. After the break, the industry explodes. And along with it,
2: happy price. Go to your happy price, price. line.
1: Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No.
0: Whoa, welcome back. As I understand it, all of you are very interested in learning more about podcast ownership. And let me tell you, it is one of the most rewarding things. By the late 70s, the timeshare business was booming. It had gone from a solution to a complicated problem to a growing industry attracting big-name companies.
3: The Marriott's and the Hilton's and the Sheridan's, they all got in They had already built the infrastructure for either beach resorts or ski resort, and they already had a fixed base of people coming every year. All of a sudden, you've got a whole different dynamic. And you have people going out and building what they call purpose-built.
0: These new purpose-built timeshare condos needed to be sold. And this is where Jeff comes in.
3: I actually came in as what they call an OPC which is an acronym for outside personal contact.
0: He would walk up and down the beaches looking for potential buyers.
3: Looking for tourists that might come in, spend an hour or so, looking at a fabulous resort.
0: You're probably pretty unlikely to take any time out of your vacation to listen to a sales pitch. So these timeshare companies started offering incentives to anyone willing to listen.
3: And they would do it for 10 silver dollars or a free camera or a free lunch. Whatever by
2: hook or crook, we needed to get them in the door. If you're there on a ski vacation, you see a, a young guy with a young family, you know, he's an ideal target, and you offer him a free ski lift pass for the day worth 50 bucks if he takes an hour tour. You get him on the tour, and that's the up for the sales guy. That's his opportunity to sell that family a unit.
0: From there, prospective buyers would sit down with the next level of salesman.
2: And his objective is to do the tour and close the sale within the hour. You call the one call close. You familiar with that term?
0: A one-call close is exactly as it sounds. You only get one shot at it, so you got to close the deal right then. Each and every sales pitch is carefully engineered to give the best chance of this happening.
3: We're going to peak you to an emotional spot, okay? Right here, right now, today. Lay it all out from A to Z. And, of course, people, when you get them out on that emotional high, that is where they are most vulnerable.
0: The OPC strolling the beach or riding the ski lift Probably pitched it as no more than an hour. But in reality, these things will go on for three to four, sometimes even eight. The only reason most people don't just walk out is they won't give you the prize until you sit through the whole thing. And if you've already sat through two hours, you may as well just finish it. And these meetings were intense, grueling
3: even. You had to get them off of the mindset that I'm going to give you $10, a free camera, and a free lunch because it was far more than that. We're giving you this to spend some time with us and learn about something called vacation ownership, which is what we refer to it as. We didn't use time-sharing. Vacation ownership represented an, an emotional thing. I like to own, wouldn't you like to own your vacations so you know you had them every year? Oh well, yeah, that makes more
0: sense. The whole thing is really about making things make sense. Did you fly here? Well, you didn't come here on a private jet. You rented the plane, you bought a ticket, you shared the cost with everyone else on that flight.
3: Also, inflation was
0: huge back then. Inflation in 1979 was 13.3%, so it only made sense to lock in your vacations at a set price.
3: By showing them a problem, you created the need to solve the problem, and that was your product.
0: Certain timeshare companies will give out free drinks to loosen you up in these presentations. And after four or five hours, you start to tire, and hopefully you buy something.
3: A hundred different ways to get to the ultimate goal, which was to, you know, say, what's it going to be? You know, they're not new tactics. They're not new uh, methods in any way, shape or form. But to be able to have somebody trust you within two or three hours to back then, I would take a check for $300 or 10% of a $3,000 week. And that was that was my job.
0: So why not buy a timeshare? Why not guarantee your vacations? Why not be a part of something? Because it's not actually that good of a deal. Whoa, 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 hold on, owning a piece of this podcast. All right, enough out of you already. We don't even have a premium version of this podcast. What I'm talking about here is real-time shares, and to explain why they're a ripoff, we're going to explore the math used in selling them. Little disclaimer, we're using pricing from the 70s. I know home values have gone up a lot since then, but the math involved in selling timeshares hasn't changed all that much.
3: The first property that I worked at, we had three price points. If you wanted to buy one on what we called the Gulf side, because it was on the Gulf of Mexico, and that was
0: one week. One week, as in one week each year for 25 years. They were $3,000. Remember that number. It's a nice and easy $3,000.
3: Their initial price point was probably $40,000 to buy one outright.
0: So if you wanted the whole home all to yourself, it was $40,000. $3,000
3: Three thousand dollars times fifty weeks out of the year, because you always had a maintenance week and you had a, another week that you kept in reserve. So if you marketed fifty weeks with an average of three thousand dollars, your your gross sale would be one hundred and fifty thousand.
0: You didn't mishear that. They got one hundred fifty thousand dollars for a forty thousand dollar home.
3: Fifty percent of that hundred and fifty grand is going to go to pure marketing.
0: Postcards, pamphlets, these days online advertising, and of course the free gifts they give to everyone for attending their seminars. And then you
3: have another big chunk that goes to the administrative side and the lawyer side, et cetera. Et cetera.
0: As the customer, how much profit is actually made on each and every unit doesn't really matter. What's important here is that from the very beginning, you're overpaying tremendously. But Ari, What about property taxes, insurance, furnishing costs, repairs, everything else associated with home ownership? Well, the timeshare takes monthly fees that pay for all these things. So you're not getting a good deal there either. Plus, if you ever stop paying any of these fees, the company will take the timeshare back and then sell it again to someone else. Okay, so you understand that timeshares aren't worth it as an investment, but what about just a plain old vacation? Sure, you can save a little money if you use it as it's intended to be used, but you better love that place so much that you want to go on vacation there for the rest of your life. And you better not miss a week because once it's gone, it's gone. That being said, a lot of timeshares these days do offer sort of vacation swaps where you can trade locations with someone else and maybe even change your week if you can't make yours. But this costs an additional fee and begs the question, why not just pay for the vacation when you go on vacation? Timeshares are a little bit like rewards points credit cards. If you game the system and you take advantage of everything, they're a great deal. But most people don't, and they get really ripped off. The last way to look at this is as an investment.
3: A lot of these places obviously have as time has gone by, have become worth so much more than they were originally priced at.
0: And this is true. One of these $40,000 homes in the 70s might sell for $400,000 today, with its equivalent timeshare selling for around 30000 We call it the
3: investment pitch. We say, look, you can buy this thing in 10 years, you're going to resell it, and you're going to make twice your money back, which means you've got to use it for 10 years, and, well, what a way to go. Or if you can't use it, you can rent it. And, you know, what's it worth to have something like this? What are people paying?
0: And yeah, it might be worth more, but that doesn't mean someone's gonna pay you more for it. A quick internet search will reveal thousands of people selling their timeshares for a single dollar. Same thing goes for renting it out. Yeah, you might be able to make a profit renting it out, but that doesn't mean you'll find people to rent it. So, why do people like them? Hello? Hi, it's Ari. On the phone now is my mom's friend, Joanna, the one that really loves her timeshare.
1: We have two.
0: Two, okay. (laughs) I heard you really like them.
1: I do like them, actually. The place that we picked for our timeshare is in New Hampshire. It's actually at the same exact place that Peter and I met.
0: Peter is Joanna's husband.
1: When you called me, we were literally at our timeshare. We just got back last night it's in the white Mountains, So we go there to go rock climbing. One day we went to the river to a secret spot. The next day we hiked a trail that we never went to with awesome views. The next day we kayaked on one of the lakes. You know what I mean?
0: Mm -hmm. So So it's it's like you're living there.
1: Kind of, I guess. I mean, it would be a, a place that we would want our kids to bring their kids to.
0: There's also the fact that she got one of them at a pretty hefty discount.
1: One I found on Craigslist at like super cheap. Somebody just wanted to get rid of it. Their kids were all grown up and they were gonna retire and they were done. For people looking for timeshares, I would highly recommend they find a place that they love versus something they're talked into.
0: So you really gotta, you really gotta think about it and do your research is what you're saying.
1: Peter's saying his mom originally
2: she bought, one before.
1: she bought one in Florida, which was part of a point system. And she really did use it. She like went to Alaska. She, she could trade her week of Florida for something else. And for her, she did, she used it. She freaking went everywhere. So anyway, yes, do your research. Make sure if it is a place where you don't trade, that you find a spot that you love and you know you're want, you're gonna to wanna to go back to.
0: Because if you don't like it, they're pretty hard to sell. There's no market for reselling, right?
2: Usually when you can't afford it, you you lose it. And I think it actually became illegal, right, to pitch it as a real estate investment. Or yeah, in some yeah where the, the SEC got in on
3: some of the sales tactics and really uh, tightened down.
0: If you need any proof that timeshares are not a good investment, it's that. Timeshare salespeople are not allowed to tell you it's an investment. And that one call
3: close is what made these salespeople take a lesser than truthful approach. There's a lot of people like myself that sat down and just made a friend, created a need, and had a problem that was solved by buying the product today. It made a lot of people happy, you know, and, and we sold it for the right reasons.
0: As a vacation, I'm sure timeshares can be great. Like you heard from Joanna, they love taking their family vacations there. But as a business, it really can't get any better. Not only are they selling these things for way more than the houses are actually worth, They're collecting fees, and if you don't pay the fees, they get it back and they can sell it again. And this, of course, assumes that you bought the thing outright and didn't do some extended lease, because if it is like a 25-year lease, at the end of the lease, they get it back and they can sell it again. And then they're also financing these properties, which allows them to make quick sales and offer them to people who really can't afford them.
2: They know exactly how many people out of 100 are going to buy. The people that go on free cruises, they think they can get one out of four of those people to buy a timeshare.
0: Much like almost every other industry, they'll happily take your money. And they'll also happily make it seem like you can afford it. But that doesn't mean you can.
2: Just like any other industry, you've got good people and not so good people. They'll bring you in and there's a the first line sales team. Those are the best sales guys. They offer you the best week. They try to sell you the ones for $15,000. You know, if you say no, 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 before you get your free gift, they push you to a second line. Those are kind of not good sales guys. And they try to sell you the summer weeks in Orlando for a week. And if you say no, 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 then you get pushed to the third line, guys. How about you buy one week every three years and we'll sell that to you for $3,000. And then at that point, you know, people get worn down and they're like, fine, whatever. I'll sign wherever to get my free t-shirt and my free, you know, tickets to Disney. Just let me out of here.
0: (laughs) Jeff, did you ever buy one? No.
3: Didn't need to. I mean, I could go still to this day anywhere in the world I want to go and stay in them if I want Would I have If I was John Q. Public and worked 50 weeks out of the year, slaving at my job, hell yeah, I would have bought one. Uh, I do love to travel, okay? And I have stayed in a lot of resorts that were vacation ownership resorts. And I see a lot of happy people that are enjoying the facilities, of course, but they're not the ones that will call into WWW, I want to bitch about how I bought my timeshare. People that are happy you don't hear from,
0: do you? For years, the timeshare industry has been plagued by salespeople who will do anything to get you to buy.
2: These sales guys, they're really good at what they do, so they're not really afraid of getting fired because they know they can pack up and go somewhere else and do the same thing, right? So they'll, you know, Jeff has been extremely successful in selling timeshare, but he's also been fired from probably five different properties, and he just moves to another property and goes and does the same thing. It's... Incredible, because it works. It works for me, and I know how it works, right? Like, I still get something in the mail that says, oh, free cruise, and I'm psyched. I'm like, oh, I got a free cruise. And, like, I'll call Jeff he'll be like, dude, haven't you learned anything? <laughs> like, there's no such thing as a free cruise.
0: And this is where we end, because, well, I'm pretty confident that I wouldn't buy a timeshare. Hi, Mom.
1: Hi. Is it, do you need me? I'm on my way home with Sophie.
0: Wait, Sophie's with you?
1: Yes, you're on speakerphone.
0: Hey, Sophie. Yeah? Do you want to go on a timeshare vacation? Yes. What about you, mom? You want to do one? Yeah. Well, you heard it here first. Next season on Things You Don't Need to Know, I will be trying not to buy a timeshare. And as always, thanks for listening. Things You Don't Need to Know is a Hyper Object and 3 Uncanny 4 production. The show is written and edited by myself and produced by Harry Nelson and also me. I'm Ari Kagan, if you were wondering. Additional help from Shane McKeon and Nuna Sharafadine. Our executive producers are Adam McKay and Laura Mayer. The show is mixed by nice manners. If you like things you don't need to know, check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember to hit subscribe. Also, if you leave a review, you can stay at the TYDNTK Timeshare, which we bought specially for everyone who leaves a review. Anyway, see you next week.